What's up, Bucks fans? Welcome back to another edition of Pirate Parlay here on the Sick Podcast Network. On our second episode of the week, we had Cody Mock on earlier. Great stuff, great insight. If you haven't caught it yet, definitely go check it out. Talked about his rookie season. He talked about uh, the transition that he's made from, obviously, left tackle in college to right guard and the transition from NFL pros. Spilt the team on the offensive line room. We got to know him a little bit more with some this or that and favorites like we do with all the players and coaches we have on. So great stuff there. But we're moving on. It's a game week. The Buccaneers uh, have a must-win game. They need to bounce back. Uh, they're playing the Texans this week in Houston at 1 o'clock, and it's a game for them they, they cannot drop if they want to remain in the hunt for not only the NFC South, but really the, the playoffs in general. I mean, the NFC is kind of falling apart right now, and the even the wild card uh, spots are wide open. So it's going to take a good effort by, by the Bucks. This needs to be their get-right game against the Houston Texans, and we'll learn all about the Texans because we have a special guest today, Harley Dugan. Host of the lead and co-host of Believe in Texans podcast. He's going to be in here breaking everything down that we need to know about the Houston Texans ahead of this matchup. We'll be right back. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Pirate Parlay. Battle intercepted. Picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world. The sickest Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. It's going to be sick. Fresh off their mini buy after a tough loss to the Buffalo Bills. The Bucks take on the three and four Texans at three and four themselves. They're still in the mix in the NFC South only a game back. Um, and it's going to be a big challenge for them to make sure they can get right. Penalties have been their Achilles heel execution. Uh, there's been a lot of things, uh, miscommunications on the back end and the secondary, letting up big explosive plays. Those all will come into factor as well uh, if the Bucks want to turn this around. But without further ado, I bring in my guest, Harley Dugan, like, as I mentioned before, host of the lead and co-host of Believe in uh, Texans podcast. Harley, how you doing? And welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm doing fantastic, and I can't wait to get on talking with some Texans Bucks this week. Well, let's jump right into it. a lot of changes for this organization over the over the um, offseason. First of all, new head coach, new quarterback. Let's talk about the new head coach, though. First of all, kind of a homecoming of sorts for D'Amico Ryans, who spent uh, a large part of his career with the Texans. He comes in. What kind of changes did you know? Have you noticed immediately as far as culture, philosophy, and just the overall um, stewardship that he has over this team? It's a complete 360 from the last two years. It's finally awesome to feel that we're back in the great 32 teams of the NFL. It just didn't feel like the Texans were serious enough to be taken as a 32nd team of the NFL. It just wasn't necessary whatsoever for the fans to see what happened the last two years. It was atrocious. And I've said it on my podcast and my YouTube channel Hiring D'Amico Ryans is a reset button for this franchise. He has been fantastic, a breath of fresh air, uh, just overall helping this organization from when he was a player to now being a coach. This is things that you hear in a movie, a Disney movie, Hallmark movie kind of setting. It is happening here in H-Town, and it is amazing. He has a great mentality. He's got a great, great coaching staff with him. We it, they're still young, but 
these names are going to start popping up in the next few years besides just our offensive coordinator. There's going to be a few other guys that teams are going to take a look at. D'Amico has built this so far year one. It's, you know, fans in my Houston side, they got to be patient. It's fun to get into that Kool-Aid, but D'Amico Ryans with the swarm mentality and everything with rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud, it has been a fun time here in Houston. You, you talked about the last two years, and really, I mean, we can go back to the last 10 years before, uh, I guess, he who not, will not be named in Houston, uh, you know, got injured and, and led them to a promising run with Bill, Bill O'Brien, but the culture has been down in Houston. It's just, it's been a, a laughing stock. Uh, put Alabama in, as you mentioned, take, take the Texans out. How, how has he changed the culture? Like, what has been, what has been the key attribute that he's brought that? has got fans and has got the team themselves kind of hyped up that this thing could get turned around sooner rather than later, even though, you know, last year they finished with, you know, the wor- one of the worst picks in the draft. Yeah. So whenever he got, I mean, we'll just take a look at the off season. You went out and immediately you interviewed coaches this off season that either a got to be head coaches or B, decided to stay put slash uh, whatever, move on to a different team. Um, a few of the head coaches you interviewed were D'Amico Ryan, Sean Payton, uh, Thomas Brown was one of them. You had an interview set up for Ben Johnson. It did not happen. And we, we could keep going and going. A lot of these guys ended up being head coaches or stayed with. So when you look at D'Amico Ryan's in the 49ers, he already had the former player that was amazing here at the Houston Texans. So the fan base is like, oh, man, we love D'Amico Ryans. Let's bring him back here. And then attached with that is you got former Texan players talking about this guy needs to be the next head coach of the Houston Texans. They called him captain for a reason. Former Houston Texan, now uh, radio host on 610, Seth Payne, said as soon as he came in as a rookie, just everybody's eyes and attention gleamed to him. He was called captain immediately as a rookie and everybody just gravitated towards him. And that's what this fan base has done. That's what the players have done. And he just has this aura to him that whenever he speaks, you listen and everything that just comes out of his mouth just feels right. And it's great to finally have that because you haven't had that in the last two years. Hence, David Coley, hence, Lovey Smith, D'Amico Ryans, again, huge breath of fresh air. And it feels amazing to finally have a coach and to feel relevant again in the NFL. You know, one of the, his big, big hires was bringing with him uh, 49ers passing game coordinator, uh, Bobby Slowick, uh, running the offense as the offensive coordinator. What has his offense philosophy been? Is it pretty much a copy paste of what they're doing, what Kyle Shanahan's doing in San Francisco? Where does it differ? Where is it similar? And just the spark that he's brought uh, to the offense with a lot of young players on it. Yeah. So, Bobby Slowick, a little bit about him. He went, started all the way back as a video coordinator uh, with the Washington Redskins, then named the Redskins, now Commanders. Uh, And he was just, uh, he wasn't even like, if you look at the coaching staff, he's not even on there. Like you got to look deep into it. And he's a video coordinator with Mike Shanahan at the time, with Kyle Shanahan that was on staff. Sean McVay was on that staff as well. And I believe LaFleur might've been on that staff. Um, So that's how far this goes back in, Sure, when you say copy and paste the Shanahan system, uh, for the most part, yes. Uh, but there 
are some tweaks. There are some refinements that he has done. But there is some criticisms going into this week from Bobby Slowick uh, because of what happened last week against the Panthers. It definitely felt like, you know, we're starting to see more of him continuously running the football, which has always been the bread and butter to a Shanahan Kubiak scheme. We know this one because we had Gary Kubiak. The problem is, is we had Arian Foster and Ben Tate. We don't have Arian Foster nor Ben Tate. And that is no slight to Damian Pearson, Devin Singletary. Just those guys are not at the level of an Arian Foster. And we're still trying to run the football behind an injured offensive line, behind an offensive line that's kind of makeshift still at the moment. It's really not the set five that we were all predicting from the beginning of the season. So uh, Bobby Sloig, where he has done really good things in the past, this last week, a lot of criticisms are getting thrown towards his way. But overall, I think he is still a good offensive coordinator in this league. He's he's This is his first time calling plays, man. You know, so this is learning curves that we're going to have to get through. And it's all about execution still from the players. And that is what was lacking last week against the Carolina Panthers. Bobby Sloick will be fine. Just our Houston fan base, you know, might have to slow the brakes a little bit on what they're trying to critique when it comes to Bobby Sloick. You're not going to tell me that. Uh, we have, obviously, Dave Canales, first-time offensive play, yeah. uh, play caller as well. Worked with quarterbacks. Worked in pretty much every role on offense, but offensive coordinator. And he, too, is from that that branch, right? It all starts with Mike, but then it spears off to Kyle and Sean, the mm-hmm. floor, and then, you know, every all the other guys, Stefanski, O'Connell, Waldron, yeah. uh, all these, these branches of of that original Shanahan, then Kubiak type scheme. Um, but the scheme itself is something that I think what a lot of fans don't realize is that it's highly effective, but mm-hmm. it doesn't implement overnight. It's not one of these schemes that you just no. put in and your run- ground is running from day one. It takes a while, especially in the run game. The Texans are having some of the similar struggles there. They want to be, you know, part of the, what this offense calls for is balance between the run and pass. Um, even when, you know, the, the run and pass aren't working, unless you have a top tier quarterback, um, you know, you, you need to make sure that you are balancing that, that play call out. And, and it feels like um, slow. It seems to have some of the same things, uh, fans might call him stubborn for sticking to the run or running on, on certain downs and distances or first downs. But what they don't understand is that I think that this system takes a while. It, it's not going it, to, it's, you know, uh, midway to the season, you know, three fourths of the season, then everything starts to gel together. Is that kind of mm-hmm. what you're seeing over there on your side as well, especially in the run game? Yes. And I do think what makes it some somewhat frustrating is, You've had a big game against the Jaguars where you dropped the 30 bomb. And then right back to back, you dropped another 30 bomber against the Steelers. So that's what fans are looking at. They're going back to those games and, you know, they're looking at it like, hey, man, this offense was successful when C.J. Stroud was throwing the football consistently. And, you know, you also look at the Steelers game and I'm going, well, that is true, but. Uh, that was your best rushing output. And Damian Pierce had an amazing game, actually, his best game of the season so far in what's been very little from him so far. Um, and in the Jaguar game, uh, you had everything go right for you in that game. I mean, hell, 
we had a fullback return, a kickoff return for a touchdown. So that tells you everything was going right for you in the Jaguar game on the road. So, yes, is he stubborn? Sure, uh, absolutely. And, you know, we had Glover Quinn on the Believe in Texans podcast in the offseason, and he had uh, mentioned, like, the <laughs> the offense – you know, he, he played with Gary Kubiak here, so he knows a little something something about this offense. And he had mentioned, like, hey, this is going to be a work in progress. When they were in practice implementing the scheme, like, they did the same play offensively, would do the same play over and over and over and over. And sure, most of the time it did not work, but whenever it came to game day, then it was like, oh, okay, well, this is, a, this is an offense that has – gelled so much in the offseason because of continuously getting that repetition, knowing exactly what they need to do. And, you know, it's tough to say to be patient fans, especially to a team that hasn't done anything in the last two years. You've gotten some big wins this year, possibly ahead of schedule in terms of your rebuild. It feels good to get sucked into, you know, looking into the future and looking into this schedule and going, oh, man, maybe we got a chance for the playoffs. Right. Let's reel it back a little bit. And we got to remember, still, first year head coach, first year OC, rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, these got to reel it in. We got to be patient. And it's tough to say that as a fan. Yeah, same thing. You're coming off the Tom Brady years. Everyone wants to continue that gravy train going, but yeah. sometimes you need a uh, – the Bucks aren't rebuilding, more so retooling, resetting. You mentioned that rookie quarterback. Let's talk about him. C.J. Stroud, what has been the biggest surprise for you from him so far this year um, and, and just where his trajectory is um, at, with the Texans and, and for the rest of this season? Uh, there is hope back in Houston again. It is finally uh, just awesome to see – a quarterback that, damn, is playing really good on Sundays. And granted, he had a horrible performance um, this last week against the Panthers. I say horrible, but, I mean, this is where the, the critiques for Bobby Slowick come in because C.J. Stroud only had five passing attempts in the fourth quarter, and that's just something that can't happen. Okay, that's where we say, okay, we need to pass the football a little bit more. C.J. Stroud is not – the Brock Purdy. He's not the Matt Schaubs. He's not the Jimmy Garoppolo's. And it does feel like in a certain way that Bobby Slowick still thinks he's trying to utilize our quarterback that way. When we've seen the arm talent, the accuracy, and the way he is just aware, the awareness to adjust on the fly is different from this guy. And he is a different kind of quarterback. And I do believe the Texans got the best quarterback in the NFL draft. And I am just fully confident with him. The mindset around the fan base is basically if number seven is healthy and he's ready to go, you got a chance to win every single game. With, with him, you, you see what he's been able to do, um, you know, especially against pressure. I'm trying to look up the numbers right here. Um, when he's pressured, He's got a passer rating when he's blitzed, rather. He's got a passer rating of 117. He's gone 40 for 61, 563 yards, four touchdowns. It's fourth best in the NFL. Um, the Bucks, on the other hand, have blitzed 39% of the time with the third highest rate in the NFL. Um, in that, um, you know, they have not executed as well as they wanted to 
in the past couple games. Uh, they still have, you know, right in the middle of the pack, 18th with 18 sacks in the season. So they're still getting to the quarterback, um, but it hasn't been to the level extent. What makes Stroud so good against pressure? And and, and if you're the Bucks and Todd Bowles on this defense, who obviously 39% of the time on passing down, descending an extra man, what should they be prepared for when when Stroud does get pressured? I mean, that's a typical Todd Bowles defense. He's been doing it since the New York Jets. Uh, right. You got to expect pressure. And C.J. Stroud, I think offensively behind Bobby Slowick, uh, they had a really great game plan against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a, a team that has a vaunting defensive line led by T.J. Watt, who's leading the defensive player of the year category. And that Texans team with not just backup offensive linemen, but third stringers and practice squad guys, gave up zero sacks. And it wasn't just because of the offensive linemen. It was because, you know, you had guys motioning, extra guys coming in, uh, someone to chip in. And this is where I say the team is sold with D'Amico's identity. I always go back to the Steelers game, and you got Andrew Beck motioning in, getting a head start when he hikes the ball to get that extra guy in there real quick to, you know, plug up a gap or whatever, or having John Mechie, a guy that just came off leukemia and he torn ACL and he's motioning and they're hiking the ball as he's motioning and they take the right tackle off of TJ Watt. John Mechie, you're about to knock TJ Watt on your ass. And that's exactly what he does. And that tells me, oh, this team, the players are sold on what D'Amico Ryans is telling them to do. And it was just amazing to see that. So, the Houston Texans, again, have to do similar things. If they're going to get around a team that's pressuring a lot, they have to get bring the chips in. They got to, you know, Mike Boone is a really good pass-protecting running back who's our third running back. They will use him at times. Andrew Beck's going to be used a lot. Um, the big key with us is Tegan Pretoriano is now going to be playing. Um, not saying he's a huge factor offensively, but in terms of blocking, he's one of the better blocking tight ends for yeah. us. Brevin Jordan's not going to be there either. So, you know, the Texans just have Dalton Schultz. They brought up two guys from the tight end position off the practice squad. One of them being Dalton, I think it was Dalton Keene. Can't remember the other name. That's how deep this, not remembering that whatsoever. So the Houston Texans uh, are going to have their hands full. The big problem is I still do not like Titus Howard at left guard. It's just a, not a natural fit for him. There's nothing against him. But you paid him to be a right tackle. Let him play right tackle. They got him at guard. They got George Fan at right tackle. He's played solid. You know, and a lot of fans are saying, well, this is the best five offensive linemen. We've heard Bobby Slowick say that, too, um, where, sure, I do agree. It is the best five. I'd rather, I'd rather have J- Titus Howard at right tackle. We have a guard in Josh Jones who we traded for from the Arizona Cardinals. And sure, wasn't too pretty with him the first two weeks, but he had a tremendous game against the Steelers. So, you know, I still wonder what are we doing there on the offensive line? But again, chipping, uh, having to send in extra guys. And C.J. Stroud has had the awareness uh, overall, you know, to throw that quick pass, to get the ball out faster. This last week, though, was a problem with batted passes. That's something we haven't seen at all uh, against C.J. Stroud. So I'm curious as to what the Panthers saw on film and if the Buccaneers are like, huh, all we got to do is we can't get home. 
Let's watch the eyes of the quarterback and let's get our hands up and bat the ball down. Yeah, some of that's definitely bad throwing angles because he's got the height. It's not like he can't throw over his offensive lineman. But let's talk about that offensive line. Man, they're on their fourth center. Uh, Just got decimated so far at that position. Um, You know, you had a couple of rookies going there for you for a minute. Obviously, Kendra Green was supposed to be the guy. Then he gets injured. So you bring up Juice Scruggs. He gets in it. Jared Patterson gets injured. All three of those guys on IR down to Michael Dieter. Let's talk about center first. What's the confidence level of Michael Dieter? How did he perform last week? Um, obviously, sacked quite a few times um, against the Panthers. What is what is the outlook on Dieter uh, for Houston fans? And then, you know, we'll get into kind of the injuries still facing this team and, and the injury report that came out. You know, uh, it's it's just been a the old cliche, the next man up mentality. And uh, Michael Dieter came from the Miami Dolphins, knows the scheme. Um, he's played okay in his time here. Uh, the short time here, he's played already before at the guard position, this time now at center. I believe he played center when he was at Miami. So he's a versatile guard center combo. He's going to have a handful. There's this guy named Vita Vea, who I hear is pretty good. Um, <laughs> some athletic freak that's 6'4", 360. Um, and uh, he's going to have his hands full with him. I don't expect that to be favorable whatsoever. Um, even if it was Jarrett Patterson, who is an outstanding rookie six-round pick for us, uh, didn't give up a sack and I believe 200 snaps. Um, but he had his struggles against uh, the top-tier defensive linemen, one of them being Grover Stewart with yeah. the uh, Indianapolis Colts. That was one of his worst games he's played. So uh, Dieter, on the other hand, is going to have, again, his hands full. The offensive line, hey, the Houston Texans, they've been they, – this is nothing new to them, okay? And C.J. Stroud, he gives that confidence to everybody. The way he talks in the press conference, he mentions everyone by name. Uh, I mean, he pays – dinner for everybody every single week he has an offensive team dinner and he pays for it and it's just he you could just tell he is a future leader for this team and we feel great that he the franchise is in his hands the keys are in his hands um but you know this is nothing new we've played without Titus Howard in one games we've played without these guys we've played without Tank Dell in one game like you know so We've been having a makeshift offensive right. line this whole year. It's been tough, but uh, this this isn't going to be easy. But I'm going to lean that, hey, C.J. Stroud knows what he's doing. This offensive scheme is going to cook up something, and hopefully they get it done. Well, there's one guy who's been consistent and uh, you know, pretty much throughout his career, Shaq Mason over there, traded for mm-hmm. him, gave him a nice contract. He's been consistent over there, guard for you guys. But you look at the injury report this week. All your tackles are on there pretty much. The guys who are playing guard, the guys who are playing tackle, George Fant, Titus Howard, Josh Jones, bumped up the full participation uh, this week after limited participation uh, yes, in yesterday's practice. Jones was a full participation yesterday too, but that's an encouraging sight. Uh, Laramie Tunsil didn't practice on Wednesday, but jumped up to limited participation on Thursday. Even if these guys can go, they're banged up. Um, you know what? I, I I get it's a next man up mentality, but when you're when you're trying to block against an aggressive defense and and you're injured, it's never easy. Uh, if 
are you what are you hearing as far as these guys' availability on Sunday? Um, should the Buccaneers expect them to be at full strength with Fant, Howard, um, and Tunzel to go? Are any of these guys potentially not going to be able to go on Sunday? What What's the latest word out of Houston there? Uh, all of those guys are playing. Laramie Tunzel was out Wednesday because of a veteran rest day, um, so he's he's going to be just fine. He's had a knee problem for the last maybe three weeks now, um, so he's going to be fine. Uh, he's going to play left tackle. Your left guard will be Titus Howard. Your center will be Michael Dieter. Your right guard will be Shaq Mason, and then your right tackle will be George Fan. That's been the five for quite some time, besides the center position, of course, with Jared Patterson now uh, possibly out for the season uh, with a torn, uh, actually broken fibula, I want to say. Uh, I can right. double-check that later. But, yeah, uh, that I, the offensive line, that's going to be your five. Uh, I expect all of them to play. Another, another guy who's – on that injury report who is trending and not playing uh, Robert Woods already ruled out likely with a foot injury, but Damian Pierce, that starting running back of yours dealing with an ankle injury, second uh, consecutive day did not practice. You mentioned uh, Mike Boone and Devin Singletary. Uh, they are two guys who are not guys you want toting the rock uh, a bunch of times the game. Obviously Devin Singletary proved his ineffectiveness with the bills. That's why they didn't read him up. Um, but as far as Damian Pierce's impact on the season and what it means if he can't go on Sunday. Yeah, it is likely that he doesn't play this Sunday. Um, it's, you know, usually, usually Thursday's the, the big one in the injury report, right? You know, you look at Thursday and Wednesday, sometimes a veteran rest days for some of those older guys that don't practice. So Thursday's that big one. Robert Woods didn't play last week. I don't expect him again to play this week. Uh, Damian Pierce is the one, you know, so it sure does look like he's not going to be playing this Sunday. Um, you talked about Devin Singletary. Uh, actually, he's been pretty solid here with the Houston Texans. And if anything, I think he fits the scheme a lot better than Damian Pierce. And Mike Boone, who only had two carries last week against the Panthers, both of them, one of them went for five yards. Another one went for, I want to say like seven or eight yards. And that was it. You only saw him with the ball two times when last week we heard that Bobby Sloick was going to have a running back by committee. Uh, it was basically split between Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary and then two touches by Mike Boone. So Mike Boone has shown that he can play in this system, in this scheme. Um, who knows? It's only been just a few reps we've seen. And obviously, you know, everyone loves the backup quarterback. Everyone loves the third running back, you know? So uh, those are the, what fans are always going to look towards to, but Devin Singletary, I think is a fine running back for this team. Um, he has uh, proved himself to be a scheme fit and played well in this system when given the rock and he's been deserving of more touches. That is why they've gone with this running back by committee, which to me, they should have done since the beginning of the season. I thought it was always going to be maybe 65, 35 Damian Pierce, but it just doesn't seem like Pierce for some reason. Um, last year, man, he was just carrying that thing. He got injured at the end of the year, making him shy of a thousand yards for a rookie. Um, but I mean, <laughs> he was amazing last year. I'm thinking this year, this scheme has always provided uh, just great fortune for running backs. We look at Justin Forsett, who is, uh, uh, let's be real, a nobody. Went to the Ravens. He was here with the Houston Texans to Gary Kubiak. Then went to the Ravens, became a Pro Bowler. Arian Foster, undrafted out of Tennessee, pro bowler. I mean, uh, Terrell Davis all the way back then with the Denver Broncos, uh, undrafted, uh, 
Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer. So, or it might have been a seven round pick. It could be wrong. But uh, regardless, like we've seen the fortunes for this running backs in this system. It just hasn't translated for Damian Pierce. There's a lack of ball carrier vision from him, uh, whether or not he's getting to the hole fast enough, whether or not he's running into contact on some of the film. So, you know, it's it's been a work in progress for him. I do think he could play more of a and you are familiar with this guy, a LeGarrette Blanc kind of role where, you know, getting that extra yardage goal line, you know, uh, attempts. Um, He's a guy that once he gets going, then it's a problem. Because he's gonna punch you in the mouth, and he's gonna get seven, eight yards, but he's gonna he's gonna punch a defender right in the mouth. He's gonna get into that second level and get into someone's grill real quick. And if he consistently does that, then it's like, uh oh, okay, this guy's starting to get going. You got to slow him down. He just hasn't. He's been sputtering all year. He'll have a run here and there, break it for 10, 15, but nothing, nothing substantial happens with it, and it's it's been frustrating. Yeah, last last thing on the offense side of the ball, uh, Robert Woods is out, you know, again this week likely, and and that provides more opportunities for uh, second year guy Nico Collins and and rookie Tank Dell. Just the impact that they've made on the team this year, and, and as reliable weapons for CJ Stroud. And uh, how how do you how do you defend these guys? Um, it seems like they're used similar to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Um, that the uh, 49ers used to talk about those two guys' impact on the offensive side. Then we'll jump on the defensive side of the ball and wrap it up. Yeah, so Nico Collins has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, There's been – I mean, he was just nothing his first two years here with the Houston Texans, and that's just credit to what happens when you get a good quarterback. (laughs) Davis Mills just didn't highlight Nico Collins enough. There's – C.J. Stroud was on the podium – maybe I want to say three weeks ago, could be four weeks ago, uh, where he had mentioned that he watched film of last year on Nico Collins and just said, man, he's open a lot of the times. Why wasn't he getting the ball? Whether or not that's a shot towards David's Mills, who knows? But um, Nico Collins was open and CJ Stroud has been finding him and he is starting. I still don't believe he is at wide receiver one just yet. Texans fans get a little upset when I say that, but you know, I'm still, he's, he's good. And he's a wide receiver one for our team. I still think he has a high potential for a high wide receiver too. Um, but he has some intangibles that are very nice to have six, four two twenty, big body wide receiver runs like a deer. He's fast as hell shifty the yards after the catch. Uh, at some point he was first in the NFL with yards after the catch he is tough to bring down once he gets the ball going. Expect skinny posts from Nico Collins. Expect some slants, quick slants, uh, you know, maybe an intermediate slant here and there. And CJ Stroud's been accurate to giving him the ball. Tank Dell has been absolutely amazing. Somebody that CJ Stroud wanted all the way back in the draft. It was clear. Uh, he had mentioned him after we had drafted Tank Dell and everything. So, Uh, They had a connection in the NFL Combine, uh, and it's just grown ever since. Tank Dell is obviously a Houston product, but uh, he did go to Juco here in Florida. So uh, that's, you know, two different connections. He's been amazing. Um, Last week, it's it's tough to gauge where my Texans are because last week really threw me off. It threw me for a loop because Tank Dell 
we've seen him utilized as he should be utilized as a wide receiver to a slot guy. They've been using Robert Woods in the slot and having Tank Dell and Nico Collins on the outside. That's how much they've had the confidence with Tank Dell. He is just shifty. Route running ability is just, I mean, I still I still believe he was the best route runner coming out of the draft, and that could be some of my Houston Cougar bias coming out there. But I absolutely love Tank Dell. But last week, they sort of used him more in that gimmicky role, gadget kind of player role, like they used Debo Samuel as a running back with the 49ers uh, two, three years ago before CMC got there. And sure, Tank Dell, obviously, he's going to make plays. He had the highlight where he whoop juked the guy to the right, boop, spin move, you know. So he has the ability to do that. That's just sometimes you go to that well too many times, and it's just not something I want to continue seeing from him. I think he's he's a he's a wide receiver. Let's use him as a wide receiver. We did it in the Jaguar game, which was a breakout game for him. And right. I haven't – it just seems like – his receiving attempts have just gotten downhill a little bit. And I just kind of wonder why I get, we want to give him the ball as many times as possible. I understand it. It's what D'Amico said at the beginning of his uh, press conference, whenever he got here to Houston, we want to get the ball into playmakers hands, which is great to hear. Um, And I don't have no problem with him, but tank Dell, I need him back at wide receiver. I need him dashing guys up, right. hitting them with the dust, dropping their ankles. He's an amazing receiver. Um, him, Nico Collins. And then after that, Dalton Schultz, yes. But after that, we're starting to, you know, grit our teeth a little bit. Uh, Noah Brown is solid. He's been solid in his return. Um, he had a good game against the Carolina Panthers. Probably should have got some more passes thrown his way. After that, John Mechie hasn't really been nowhere to be seen. Uh, I don't know where he's at. <laughs> uh, Xavier Hutchinson, rookie wide receiver. You know, he's still a rookie. We haven't seen a lot of him either. Definitely feels like the Texans only ran three wide receivers last week. Just what it feels like. So it's been a little tough. Uh, so jumping over to the defensive side, you know, first round pick on, on the offensive side, uh, cornerstone quarterback, CJ Stroud. Defensive side, cornerstone, edge rusher, defensive end, Will Anderson. What have you seen out of Will Anderson so far um, that – that is encouraging, uh, especially with the pick that they drafted him at. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people just, you know, th- this is the conversation around him. They glean towards the sack numbers. Well, he's only got one sack. Uh, I think Will Anderson has been fantastic. I think he's been fine. Um, he he does set that edge, and, you know, he's top in pressure win rates, you know, in all the N- NFL next-gen stats. He's like, top five, top 10 with guys like Michael Parsons and the Nick Bosa's, the Joey Bosa's, you know, all the top rushers. But for some reason, the sack numbers just haven't, you know, uh, manufactured for him yet. And it's going towards Jonathan Bernard. He's got six and a half sacks, I want to say, or six sacks on the dot. Uh, He has been fantastic, a Florida Gator for y'all fans down there. Uh, And he has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Last year, he was banged up. So, you know, we haven't seen a lot from him. This was a more of a prove-it-year form because when he was here with us two years ago, Lovey Smith was a DC, not the head coach. Uh, he had a fantastic year that year. Uh, injured. Now this year, he's back on it again. Um, so, Bernard has been the guy to get the sacks. Will Anderson has just been double-teamed, chipped, 
I mean, they're throwing everything at this rookie. Every NFL team is saying this guy is not going to disrupt the game for us whatsoever. Everyone's had a great game plan besides maybe the Steelers game where he had some drives. He just, he just destroyed drives. I mean, he gets, he gets past the right tackle and, you know, tackles Kamara as soon as the ball's in his stomach, you know, just just blew up the drive for the saints. So there's been some highlight plays here and there from Will Anderson. I know Texans fans are frustrated because, you know, the sacks, that's really what it comes down to is how many sacks has he got? Oh, he's only got one. What is he doing? I look at it like this. J.J. Watt only had two sacks so far this many weeks in his rookie year in right. the NFL. Will Anderson's got one. J.J. finished with, I want to say, five and a half or six and a half his rookie year. He really turned it on at the end of the year. Hopefully that is something that happens to Will Anderson. Yeah, you look at this team in general, just you know, knocking the quarterback uh, and yeah. bringing them down. I mean, they're they're thirty first in the league in sacks, so just fourteen on the season. Um, the pressure has been, I'd like to say, there, but also inconsistent at times. What's been the biggest holdup for them finishing plays and getting the quarterback down, uh, and, and the lack of production as far as statistically the sack part of it. Yeah, so again, fans are going to look at Will Anderson. What you traded up to get him is something that you can't gloss over. You know, he's only got one sack, and fans are going to look at, you know, hey, we brought this guy to get sacks, get pressure, get to the quarterback consistently. And it's tough to say that from a rookie. You know, like fans are expecting him to be generational because that's what you you traded up some stuff to get him. You know, a pick here and there is what I heard. You know, so – him, Grenard, I mean, take last week out of it, and we're, I mean, I, we might be 34th. I mean, last right. week the Houston Texans had, I want to say, four or five sacks last week against the Carolina Panthers, and that was their best game last week uh, against the Panthers offensive line that just seemed six to have sacks. no answer. Yeah, six. Didn't have no answers whatsoever for Jonathan Grenard. I mean, he put Ekum, uh Icky just – on his ass on one play. It was just dirty. And so it's been tough specifically for the interior side. Malik Collins had a great game last week with two sacks, um, but the lack of interior defensive linemen on this team, it has been an issue. I thought they should have. That was my biggest thing in the defense was, okay, you got Wadge, you got Jonathan Grenard, you got a Jerry Hughes who's still still is productive or, you know, generate some, some pass rush at his age still, but sure. You brought in Sheldon Rankins. He's more known for his run stopping ability. Malik Collins is known for his pass rushing. And then you got a Hassan Ridgeway who uh, just is a scheme fit, perfect scheme fit stops to run consistently. Sheldon Rankins, I don't believe is playing for this game either. Uh, So you'll have Malik Collins, you have a son Ridgeway. And then after that, I mean, Kurt Heinisch uh, has been okay. One of the guys that have been really good is Khalil Davis, a guy that played in the XFL. Yeah, (laughs) a guy that played in the XFL and uh, has just came onto this team in the preseason. He was making plays, and fans got upset when he got cut. I was like, oh, no. I liked him like, and now it's okay. They brought him back. He's been back for, I want to say four weeks now and he makes plays. You see him here and there. You you'll see him, 
you know, every once in a while, just he's just in the ball somewhere. He's getting to the running back on run stopping plays. Uh, but there's just a lack of, you know, depth on the interior defensive line. And, and it's been to a point to where D'Amico's got to send in a linebacker, a safety, uh, you know, just to generate some sort of pressure against right. the the opposing team. And the secondary just didn't do a really good job last week against the Panthers either. You talk about that secondary. That's where I'm going next. Uh, not doing a great job back there, uh, presenting opportunities to get the offense back on the field. 24th in the league with just four interceptions. Three of them have come from Steven Nelson, obviously without Devin Singletary, which was a huge loss for this team. They brought in some new guys in Shaquille Griffin, who kind of flamed out with the Jags after being such a, a, a really good player for the Seahawks uh, up there in Seattle. Uh, Jimmy Ward has been the tone setter. Jalen Petrie, I think, led the league in missed tackles last year as a rookie, but he's been a little bit better. But, I mean, you look at that secondary opportunity, chances, some drop picks. They just have not been getting turnovers for this offense, uh, for this defense to get the offense back on the field. What has it been about them? And uh, we're, we're running up against it, but what has it been about that defense that hasn't been able to get uh, turnovers um, for, for the defense and for the offense? The secondary, which – has been a strength of this Houston Texans team, actually. Um, but uh, Derek Stingley is the guy that's been out. Uh, you know, he's going to be out again this week. He's been having a lingering hamstring injury. Uh, but Steven Nelson has been your best cornerback all year. Um, I think it's starting to get to them, though, where, you know, you Shaq Griffin, Tavier Thomas, Kadar Holman. Kadar Holman might not play this week. Um, but all of them guys have been filling in for Stingley. Tavier Thomas is more your slot cornerback. Uh, he's He was finally back last week. I just think it's starting to get to the secondary a little bit, not having that shutdown cornerback in Derek Stingley, and that's been the note on him. He's just been injured, but when he's on the field, nobody throws his way <laughs> because he is just a special cornerback, and it's tough to tell the generic national fan that, hey, Derek Stingley is legit. But he just doesn't play, and it's been right. frustrating from your number three overall pick. So to manufacture turnovers, it has been tough on this defense, um, especially coming off the of Lovey Smith defenses where they have generated turnovers. Um, so for some magical reason, and uh, but D'Amico Ryan's it's been a it's been a constant key at practice and everything. Uh, Jalen Petrie is fantastic safety. Uh, Jimmy Ward is a fantastic safety. Steven Nelson has been magnificent extending him this season as well. Uh, you got guys. You got those three guys. You, you know, you, you got to hold down the fort. You got to do your job better. Last week was a horrible, horrible game of lack of execution and everything on the defense side in terms of the secondary. Uh, Bryce Young getting the extension of plays, and he was just slicing the secondary last week. It was pretty upsetting. And you look at this defense. I mean, they're holding people to points. Uh, they're not letting guys score points. I mean, mm -hmm. they're sixth in the league in points against 18.3. They're not letting defenses, uh, opposing offenses score on them, kind of bend but don't break. But they're also not giving that offense uh, the ball back and, and, and you know, with – uh, sacks to end drives and turnovers to to put them back out on the field. So that's certainly been a, a, a pain point for the Texans defense. Real quick, the the Buccaneers, um, when they're on offense, what what should they do? How do they exploit the Texans defense? What should what are their weaknesses and what should they try to do to move the ball on them? So the Texans have been struggling to stop the run. 
that has been a struggle point for them the whole year. Uh, again, that goes back to the lack of depth across the defensive line, the interior specifically. Um, so Rashad White, I would say whatever his numbers are fantasy-wise or the parlays, I would I would lean on saying bet the over. Uh, so uh, Mike Evans is definitely a problem for the any any team whatsoever. But Steven Nelson is going to have his hands full, and Steven Nelson plays with a chip on his shoulder. He is going to be ready. I'll, I'll say that. I love Steven Nelson and what he's been doing for this Texans team. Last week was probably his worst game of the year, and he only had like three catches against him. So uh, it's he's been really good. Uh, so I would say run the ball consistently. Try to attack the inside part of the defensive line with running the ball. Um, after that, you know, last week was so frustrating to see again that for some reason this defense cannot stop. They are allergic to stopping just a simple hike the ball and throw it to the running back right to the outside. Like these are just simple defensive plays to make. And it's just, why can we not stop a, a little, a little itty bitty route to the running back when the quarterback is in trouble, you know, whether they're blitzing, they're not blitzing. It just seems like for some reason they do not cover the running back on the flats. For some reason, I have no idea why it happened last week. And it was frustrating because it gave me PTSD of last year with Lovey Smith's defense. That happened constantly. And mm. Austin Eckler last year, just constantly the same play over and over and over. It was like Madden, all right? It was like so, going up against someone in Madden. So uh, it was pretty ridiculous to see Chuba Hubbard do that consistently. Um, I do say the Texans get better at that, improve, and somewhat adjust. If they don't, I would look at Rashad White receiving yards as well. You know, so he could be a really big X factor for the Buccaneers. Uh, Mike Evans is always a problem, whoever. Um, but the biggest thing for this Texans defense is, you know, they have they have a solid secondary. I'm going to put that game last week, which they had a great defensive game. But put that game behind us a little bit. The offense has to get going. They have to not be sputtering. They have to get going. And, you know, D'Amico plays really good. His defense plays really good when they have a lead. And that, I mean, that's almost any NFL team, but this defense can really start to pin their ears back and just generate pressure to make the quarterback uncomfortable. It hasn't manufactured sacks, but making the quarterback uncomfortable is always a great step in order to ending drives, getting off the field. Houston Texans have done that pretty well. So, As far as the Buccaneers, when they're on defense, getting to – uh, Stroud, we went over his numbers against pressure, so you got to be careful when you pressure him. But um, mm-hmm. what can this defense do to take advantage uh, of of the uh, Texans' offense? It's going to be tough. I say that. Um, I'd expect the Houston Texans to have a bounce back game. I really do. I cannot see that type of performance they did. They lay in an egg against the Carolina Panthers. I can't see it again. They, I just I don't believe that's going to happen again offensively, I expect a huge bounce back from them. C.J. Stroud mentioned a lack of execution from not only himself but other players and said that this is an accountability league in the NFL. And I thought that was a great quote from a rookie quarterback. Um, So what the Buccaneers got to do against him, teams have been taking away the middle of the field. That has been what's been happening lately. The Houston Texans, their strengths in the beginning of this season, specifically the Jaguars and the Steelers game, 
was attacking the middle of the field continuously. Now we've seen Panthers and Saints. They have done it where, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cover this middle of the field, and we're going to force C.J. Stroud to move off his first read, second read, and now he is looking at other options. And when you look at it, especially without no Robert Woods, who's been that safety valve, you could say, that veteran. You need six yards, he gets you seven. You know, So he's been consistent for you in that terms. He might only get four catches for 40 yards, but they're going to be huge first down gets. That is something we're going to miss offensively for the Texans. You hope to have that with Tank Dell. They did that in a little bit of the beginning of the game against the Panthers. So take away the middle of the field, make him try to throw more to the outside. Uh, as much as C.J. Stroud has been accurate with the football this last week, he missed a few passes on the outside. I thought that was something noticeable to see. Curious if the Buccaneers, again, I would assume they follow the same game plan try to generate pressure on them, which they will 40% of the time they're generating pressure and maybe push the passes more towards the outside. He missed a few deep throws as well. Ugh, frustrating game last week. And then finally your score prediction. What, what do you have going on here? Uh, obviously two teams, <laughs> three and four each looking to make some noise in those divisions. Um, you know, obviously the bucks in a pretty bad division themselves, uh, but they're right in there. Jack's starting to pull away a little bit. What do you got a score prediction for this game? Texans fans hate me because I've predicted wins. I've predicted I predicted a blowout win last week against the Panthers. They say I am some sort of a jinx. So I have some magic juju apparently with the Houston Texans that I did not know of. Um, but I am I did say that I think they're gonna have a bounce back week on offense. I think that's going to contribute to a victory for the Houston Texans. I'm going to go 24-13 Texans. I think the defense is going to continue to play very well. Uh, they played great against the Carolina Panthers, regardless of everything I've somewhat said with them. They played a good game. They played good games. Again, Saints 13 points, Carolina 15 points. So uh, the Buccaneers offense, besides Mike Evans I and Rashad White, I start to look at, okay, who else do the Buccaneers offense have? Baker Mayfield. Chris it depends. You know, it, I mean, I also look at it like the Buccaneers are on a three-game losing streak, and they're going to be trying to play with, you know, their asses are on the line, you know. Right. So, and if Baker Mayfield, <laughs> don't ever doubt Baker Mayfield. A lot of times he plays his best when people doubt him. And we already got, I hate seeing that. You know, we got our offensive lineman, Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil. Titus Howard already came out and said, we're going to box him in. We're, right. we're basically implying that we're going to win this week. Um, so, I, hey, I I love the confidence. It's something I've never seen from a Texans team ever. So I'll, I'll take it like a like a, a random gift on the street that's a 50, 20 bucks on the side of the road or something. But, yeah, I'll, I'll take a victory, 24-13 Texans. We definitely went a little bit over here at time. I know Sammy's <laughs> dying to watch. Uh, my producers are dying to watch the Titans game. I got one more thing for you before I let you produce. Sorry, guys. I know you're a wrestling fan. What do you got for Crown Jewel oh, this yes. week? Oh, yes. I, I saw the shirt for you. I got a little excited. Give me the American Nightmare. Whoa. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, so. Crown let me talk Jewel. to you. Let me talk to you. All right, everybody. I, I really – I would really love, you know, Booker T was talking about LA Knight winning 
you know, against Roman Reigns. It would be super unexpected because everyone's just granted that Roman Reigns is going to win. Why not? Why not have LA Knight win? Why not? I would lo- absolutely love to see it. I don't think it happens. So yeah. uh, Roman <laughs> Roman Reigns, as much as I love LA Knight and his old school, you know, theatrics, it has been uh, just a refreshing button to see in the in the WWE again. But uh, no, I do think Roman Reigns is, is getting that dub. He's going to secure it. He's not going to be at Survivor Series, apparently. Come on, uh, man. I, I, I get upset with that. Maybe uh, we get to see some CM Punk at Survivor Series. Who knows? That would be interesting. You got Damian cashing in on, on Drew or Seth? Or what uh, is it, when's that one? And then we'll get out of here. I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think Senior Money in the Bank is going to cash it in. It's been been an odd storyline to see whether or not he's going to cash it in or not and uh i do you know i i, I get a feeling that drew mcintyre is going to win i'm getting that. that feeling i mean maybe they're, they're starting day to help. yeah yeah you know the judgment day helping is is drew mcintyre going to be that guy to to now is there going to be some jealousy created with the judgment day if drew mcintyre wins and you know, there's this little storyline they could stir there. It definitely right. feels like he's going to be turning heels. So oh, I think sure. he wins. I think he wins. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I wish LA Knight would win, but it's not his time yet. Yeah. I can see him moving over to the red brand and, and taking that title eventually, maybe winning it at the Rumble, especially if Gunther's yeah, yeah. still holding on to the IC title by that, by that time. But uh, we'll see. No one's really stepped up. It looks like they're trying to get Miz to do a push to get him, but we'll see. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Go ahead and promote yourself, Harley. Thanks for all the time, and thanks for, for coming on here, breaking down your Houston Texans. Yeah, again, my name is Harley Dugan. I have a YouTube channel called At The Lead underscore Houston. You can just type in At The Lead underscore H-O-U. I am everywhere on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Make sure to follow me, subscribe. We're on the road to 5,000 subscribers. So I appreciate everyone that has subscribed. Uh, Get on in there. We give you all the latest updates, news, rumors on everything, all Houston, all the time, Astros, Rockets, and Texans. Believe in Texans podcast, uh, myself, and Ruben, shameless plug, go ahead and subscribe to his YouTube channel. He's at 8.3 thousand subscribers. The man's getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time. And so, uh, you know, he's my, he's my host. I'm the co-host, Believe in Texans, anywhere where you stream all your podcasting platforms. Awesome. Harley, thank you so much for popping on here. Uh, excited to, to have you have you and, and a host of Believe hosts on here this, this season. So uh, good luck to you this weekend. It's going to be a fun, fun matchup. I think both these teams – uh, desperately need these wins to stay alive in their perspective races. They're both going to be hungry. I think the Bucks are a little more hungry. I think they come out with the W, but thanks for coming on again, man, and uh, it was good chatting with you. Yeah, thank you, my guy. There you have it. We went way over on this podcast, but guess what? We do every podcast, so <laughs> this is supposed to be 30 minutes long. We're over 45 minutes, but you know what? It's good information. It's great information. I like to talk a lot. My guests usually like to talk a lot. I'm I'm here for it. Let's do it. I know my producer wants to get to the Titans game. That's because we're recording on Thursday night, so we're going to get out of here. I want to thank you guys, as always, for dropping by to the Pirate Parlay Sick, brought to you by the Sick Podcast. Like, subscribe, hit that notification button. We'll be back with another player, another guest. I don't know. We're flying by the seat of our pants here. We've been kicking ass all, all season. We're going to continue to kick ass. Give you one of the best Bucks podcasts out there. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Yeah. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast Pirate Parlay on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.